brought to you by Ligaris Roasters, the coffee alchemists behind Gut Check Espresso. www.ligarisroasters.com Coming to you live, and by that we mean recorded in advance, from the Nakatomi Cigar Room in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, it's the Gut Check Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend and partner in radio, Zachary Bartles. Hypothetically. And by, <laughs> hypothetically, just two guys having a conversation. Would you? <laughs> Baby, when I say live in studio, I truly mean it because we are in the Nakatomi smoking room. This is in Gut Check North offices, uh, right here in Lansing, Michigan, where it's currently... About as hot as the surface of the sun. Um, so the thing about it being that hot is that sit, sit back comfortably. Sit back comfortably, comfortable, man. Comfortably, like yeah, this. Yeah, I think it'd be good. You know, I'm getting I'm getting stage directions here. This is good. Um, I just I, don't want you to like hunch back. You don't want me hunching over. And, and, feel like, and, and, and it was peaking. Yeah. So there's gonna be some peaking. It's peaking. I apologize for the peaking, um, <laughs> which is something you've never otherwise had to say. Exactly. I want to I want to talk about how well this mic is lashed onto this mic stand though because oh you've seen a couple lashing jobs since you've lashing been is a part of the culture of our program Zach and uh, you have lashed the mic to the mic stand with what looks like some standard black electrical tape and I just want to tell you what a nice job you did on this and Thank if we you. were I, I know if we were different kinds of guys with a different kind of friendship <laughs> entirely <laughs> the kind where we got together and did projects. Uh-huh. Um, we would, we would talk about such things, wouldn't we? Like the gentleman we saw today at lunch. I feel like you're segueing into a, into a little bit of a story. I feel like I'm doing a radio thing in which I'm segueing. But first, I want to do another radio thing, which is to apologize for the, <laughs> the gentle hum of a piece of machinery so exquisite. Uh, it is an air conditioner, and it's in the background because um, it is as hot as the surface of the sun. Yeah, here it is life. crazy hot, and we thought crazy about hot. turning it off, recording a little bit, then turning it back on. But it's barely keeping up. And the Nakatomi smoke room is not like the size of a standard like cigar lounge. That's right. It is, at best, what, 12 by 20? You know, it's cozy. It's intimate. Not even that. And so the fact that it can't keep up tells me that it's ungodly hot in here. It's cozy. It's intimate. But I'm excited to be here. I'm here for three days. Uh, we're going to smoke so many cigars that I'm going to go home with black lung and I, I'm going to go home with like four episodes in the can, though, because we're going to do a lot of radio this week. I'm planning on actually going home with you so I can officiate your funeral. <laughs> That's right. You won't be able to understand me because I, you too, can, will be suffering black lung. But You could sit by my bedside and care for me and then officiate my funeral. Like you did for that woman on the way to Israel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Except that in this scenario, I will be that woman. This is such good coffee. I'm it's drinking coffee. coffee from Strange Matter Coffee Company, mm-hmm. where Ted and I went inside and were immediately judged for our heterosexuality right. during Pride Month. Yes, we were we were marginalized for being straight men. You know what? I want. I want. Nevertheless, to, this is a great cup of coffee. I'm going to carry on. Uh huh. And uh, someday we're going to get the respect we deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost just got like socio political. It here. got socio. Move on. It's like. <laughs> It's like a Rachel the Held Evans tweet in here, which we'll get to later. <laughs> but, but, but first, you were apologizing for that on the way to... On the way to segueing into a, a little bit of a story, and I want to I lay this on the listeners and just allow them to kind of weigh in with us on the, on the proper etiquette. It's an etiquette matter. Um, and then <laughs> we're going to segue into a defense of the career of Ben Affleck. Um, we're going to wrap with a chapter. So we've got a full episode Wrap with a chapter. 
Rap with a chap, and we'll get a Rachel Held Evans tweet in there somewhere. It's right? going to be beautiful, baby. On a scale of one to ten, how disrespectful is it that we that we do that with Rachel Held Evans tweets? Do you think that's more or less disrespectful than me signing off my other podcast with her name each time? I don't think we mean it to be disrespectful per se, do we? It's just fun. We're having fun. It is fun. If you can't have fun, I mean, if she can't have fun, it's a self-contained thing. It's for our fun and, and not intended to be disrespectful. Hold on, my Chihuahua's making noise. I hear. I hear that. Judas Priest, <laughs> as you would say. Ten of, hold on, right now. Yeah, no, you're fine. Are the way ten? Yeah. I feel I should tell you that I have worked the phrase Judas Priest as a sort of expletive into the yeah. last two books that I wrote. Dude, you have. Yeah. I feel so honored, baby. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. So uh, the story is... I yeah. picked you up from the airport today. Yes, which was wonderful. I was already super hungry, even though it was like 10 to 11 your time. Yep. I said that I was hungry roughly once per mile. Yeah, you did. And then Actually, you texted it to me several times before we even met up in person at the airport. No, I was just I was trying to feel out if you were hungry, Dude, too. I was also hungry, though. That's the thing. We were on the same page vis-a-vis our hunger level, so we were equally yoked in that way. So I... Uh, you, you suggested this place called uh, the T- Tomato Brothers? Yeah, in, in Howell, Michigan. Howell, which was great awesome. Place. That yeah, was one great of the, place. I would make the drive there to eat there again. Dude, it's one of my favorites from when I was a local here. I would meet up with Detroit people there. It was super awesome. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we were seated near three older gentlemen. Yeah. How, what, where would you put their ages, baby? Late 60s. Late 60s. Mid mid to late 60s. Now, yeah. here's the thing I want to even just begin lead with. Mm-hmm. I love like that age dude. Me too. I can't wait to be that age dude. Like, all the old guys at my church, I, I, I like, clamor for, like, FaceTime with Dude, them. we're going to be wearing windbreakers and oh our orthopedic gosh. shoes. Oh, we're yeah. going to be amazing at that age. I'm going to dominate that age. <laughs> Absolutely. But but I'm not going to be like these guys. Yeah, let's talk about that. Because so? I heard what I heard, I heard a little, just a little bit of a conversation. Because it wasn't that quiet in there. Yeah. It was, there was a din. Yeah, there was a din, but it was fairly easy to hear their conversation. A little I'll bit of it that. wafted over, and I heard yeah. him say, now, usually when you paint... That got lost in the din. You have to wait such and such amount of time. But when I was painting this other thing, this is how much time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I turned to you and and kind of discreetly. Now, you thought you were using your inside voice. You thought you were being very (laughs) discreet about this. (laughs) And keeping in mind that, like, we were in a booth. We are in kind of a nice booth that gave the facade of of privacy. Right, because there's a visual barrier. There's a visual barrier, but these guys were but seated... But does that necessarily mean there's an audio barrier? Not so much, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and to, to the side of our booth, they were seated like six inches away at a table. <laughs> Maybe exaggerating a touch. The, guy but... was, the old man was in my lap, basically. I said, I said, and you this said. is what I feel like I said. Yeah, I said yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. hey, Ted. <laughs> Ted, um, how did, I, how did I kick it off? I was like... yeah. I'm so glad we're not. <laughs> I'm so glad we're not like those guys. Is like, what you said. It was. It was. That was the subtext. That was the. We're like. No, I think I said like. How how can you bear like a life that's so boring where you get together for lunch with your friends? Yeah. And literally, the topic of conversation is paint drawing. Yeah. And that's your life. That's a fun. And, and that's that, yeah. That's, that's like, like a fun midday. That's outing. the thing you have in common with your close friends. Yeah. And in that. Like sitting around watching paint dry is a is a, a figure of speech. That's euphemistic for this is the most boring, boring thing. thing in the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah so right. I said that to you, and uh-huh. I thought it was kind of funny. And it was, but here's the thing: you made kind of a <laughs> yeah. 
And I've seen that from you before, yeah, I have to yeah, admit. Yeah. And and, uh, and then you sort of changed the subject. I did. And that what that is, what you've seen before, is the... <laughs> we're out in public, and you've said something offensive loud enough that it would, it would hurt the feelings of other people if I... If I acknowledge how funny it is and continue the conversation. So, what I should have done, Zach, and this is on me, okay? <laughs> what I should have done is very discreetly texted you an acknowledgement of how funny the thing was that you just ha, said. Ha but. But an acknowledgement that I couldn't fully enter into it given the fact that the men... <laughs> and here's the logic I used to get there. I don't know if this holds, but we can we can parse it now. My logic was, if I can hear every word of their <laughs> conversation about paint drying... I bet they could hear every word of us making fun of them about their conversation. Now, you think that my voice wasn't as as kind of discreetly quiet as I think it was, and you, I acknowledge you, that might be the case. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. But those guys had the old guy voice-carrying phenomenon, and I'm they not did. judging no, that. I like that. Thing. I yeah, like that yeah. phenomenon. I can't wait till I have it. Yeah. But I feel like the fact that you can hear the mid to late 60s guys talking... Doesn't mean they can hear me talking, mm. necess- especially since I only heard bits and pieces. Yeah. Do you, I, I, I understand your concern that you didn't want them to hear. Yeah. And I, I was trying to protect the feelings of them, even though I don't know them at all. Right. But I yeah. also don't think, I don't share your assumption that they did hear me. Okay. Well, and you know what? You know what's great? I hope they didn't, because I don't want to make them feel bad. You know what's great about this friendship, though, is that we can... We can agree to disagree on this matter. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you think that you were, you think that your voice was at the timber of like a, like a small kitten, like a small little mewling kitten's voice. Yeah. And, and you I, think that it was what? And I thought that you were shouting. And the truth is that it was somewhere in the middle. So, you, you know, know what? There's three sides to every story. There's my perspective, your perspective, and the perspective of the, uh, the most boring old man alive. That's exactly right. But Here's the question. Do you think they even have feelings or, or, do you think that are they so hardened? The are they so yeah. are they so kind of burned up by life that they no longer have feelings? <laughs> I don't know. Like, and that's that's an interesting one. And what's more, Zach, is that I think it's impossible to have this conversation without also thinking of ourselves in the context of what we'll be like when we're men that age and what we'll be talking about. You know what I mean? What do you think we're going to be talking about? Well, we see we we had just been having a conversation about how. You introduced your young, uh, uh, the young man in your, your house named Tristan, mm-hmm. your son, mm-hmm. um, who's 15, 15. 16, yeah. about to turn 16, uh, to that great film, Goodwill Hunting. Good Hunting. Classic. And we were talking about how it still holds up. And I said, I, I, I don't think we're going to be those guys. Yeah. I think that when we're in our mid to late 60s, we'll still be talking about how Goodwill Hunting holds up. Yeah. And uh, then we got uh, to talking about how. Every aspect of that movie is great. Absolutely. Including yeah. Ben Affleck, yeah. who, who gets way more hate from people than he deserves. Ben Affleck as Chucky, as the ultimate male friend, right? Yes. And I, and I Challenging like, his friend, but yes. supporting him appropriately. 100, 150% loyal at all times. What do they do with my monster? I'm done with my... Like, Dude, you're looking uh, around like, you, like you've lost something. Pride something. coffee and I... Let's locate your monster. After we've done our part to support the gay community in the greater Lansing area. Which we've done, area, then we're going to support the, the, the yeah. like, teenagers with scummy mustache community exactly. that drinks Monster. Yeah, that's that's it. I don't know where it is, baby. Did you leave it in the kitchen? My dog doesn't know any commands, but I feel like if I say them forcefully enough... That's right. He'll she'll, get it. Yeah. She'll she'll infer what you mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Stay. Kind of like with the old men, like if you shout it. 
they'll get that they're being mocked. But the thing was, they were being respectfully mocked. You know what I mean? <laughs> like underlying the comment about their meaningless lives was it was it like a patina of respect? You know? How so? In that, I think <laughs> I think we I think you and I have a like a deep seated respect for getting to that age. You know what I mean? For what it's like to be sixty five, and and what's more, we look forward to it. Well, yeah, I wasn't critiquing. I mean, I'm not going to get to 65 because the, the black lung that I'm going right, to have yeah. after this week. But. That's going to be part of my eulogy. It's going to yeah. be like, he wanted to make it 65, but alas, he didn't even hit 45. The poor guy. Baby, what are you smoking there? This is a Kentucky Fire Cured. It's nice. a Drew Estates uh, Genuine Muat. Muat? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's the one that tastes like a campfire, and I'm kind of Ooh. addicted to them. Not in, a, not in like a sinful way, but in like yeah. a... Whenever I this smoke, is just a this thing is that I like. I want. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you got there? I got a little Rocky Patel vintage, so uh, I'm enjoying this. This is a good midday, start the day smoke. Now, this was all part of when my uh, 40th birthday happened. My wife gave me many good gifts, one of which was flying you up here yeah. for the next three days, and one of which was a humidor full of 40 smokes. Dude, that is incredible. Which, for both things. Yes. Because one of both of which, actually, I get to benefit from. I get to be here and I get to smoke these cigars. So Dude. thank you, Aaron, for this experience. So I'm glad you mentioned aging and 40 because part of what I want this Ben Affleck conversation to talk about is his aging process. Because I think, you know, I think while Goodwill Hunting was peak Ben Affleck, I mean, it was great Ben Affleck. He was Chucky. He was this loyal friend. He was incredible. Great character. Um, a character that he helped write. Um I want this conversation to be an elegant defense of his career because he's someone in the movie industry who just gets a lot of crap. Um, and for whatever reason, I think, I think people feel comfortable bashing Ben Affleck. Um, but I actually think he's a really good actor and I think he's done some really good work. Where did you first see Ben Affleck? I think I first saw him, <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this film on this show before. Uh, it's a little, a little early 90s football film called School Ties. <laughs> That's what I was hoping you'd say. You know, say. stop me if I've talked about this before. See, now, I think I probably first saw him in School Ties, but had no idea who he was or yeah, Damon. Yeah. I first remember encountering him and being aware of him as an actor yeah. in a one of, the, one of the worst things the 90s produced, which was a <clears throat> sense amongst people, myself included, yeah. that Kevin Smith was like a smart filmmaker. Like the next up-and-coming, like, smart filmmaker. Like equivalent of Tarantino, but just making different kind of films. Dude, there was such Kevin Smith worship among a certain subset of 90s person. Yeah. And can we talk about that subset? Like, what kind of person in the 90s was a Kevin Smith worshiper? It was someone who smoked <clears throat> pot. Uh-huh. Um, it was someone who didn't want to be identified with, like, grunge or punk, but dressed like that. Yeah. It was... Uh, Someone who liked the idea of being a screenwriter uh-huh. and talked about screenplay ideas but had never put anything to paper. Yeah, for sure. And the movie I'm thinking, of, of course, uh, of is Mallrats. Sure, yeah. Which I could probably quote verbatim. Mm-hmm. Um, and which, honestly, I, I have the soundtrack and listen to somewhat frequently. Dude, so let me, let me lay a theory on you and then we'll get back to Affleck. In terms of being... An early 90s filmmaker, kind of with an independent vibe, who made movies about dirtbags making bad choices. Mm -hmm. In all of that, was Kevin Smith in some ways like a a proto-Judd Apatow? 
in the Judd Apatow's movies all have taken that kind of turn of instead of it being the nineties, it's the two thousands, and instead of being like kids, they're they're in their they're early late thirties, early forties. People in their late thirties in their you know, smoking a bunch of pot and Making moral around. shipwreck of their lives. Yeah, making moral shipwreck of their lives in a charming way. So was Kevin <sighs> Smith an early Judd Apatow? I don't think so, because Judd Apatow showed us what he could do mm-hmm. with uh, Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Which was... And that he could do, like, real storytelling. Yes, about yeah. about people that you care about. Exactly. Because they are, because they have souls. Yeah. And he and the first season of that Netflix show I was telling you about, Love, is kind uh-huh. of the same thing. What happened, what was interesting with that is it started for season one was like, remember Freaks and Geeks? Yeah. What if it was millennials now? And then he was like, oh, wait, no, I don't do that anymore. So season two was like, you know, whatever, this is 40 or, you know, yeah. one of these things. Not, he's knocked up him? I don't even care. Yeah. Um, and it went into the really territory that presents itself as lighthearted, but to me seems very dark. Yeah, yeah. Because it's everything that just burns me out about the world we live in. Well, yeah, and it's doing the thing that the world does, which is taking an ultra sinful, dark, sad scenario and making it making it feel cavalier. You know what I mean? Making it feel right. off the cuff and lighthearted. And, um, yeah, that's sort of the Apatow wheelhouse, I think. Uh, but let's get back to Affleck. Do you remember... Like, Goodwill Hunting aside, because I think we both agree that, that that's probably our favorite Ben Affleck experience. Um, can you yeah. identify, like, another, for you, kind of quintessential Ben Affleck Oh, there's experience? so many. I think yeah. Ben Affleck, he, he has a hard time missing. Okay, talk about that. Like, Geely was a was a disaster, right? Sure. I watched it because yeah. I'm like, it can't be that bad, and it was. Because it has Affleck, yeah. But you know what I thought was amazing? We've <clears throat> talked about before, is the town. Oh, I love the town. Dude, that blew my freaking mind. Dude, it was so amazing. I he directed that. that. I, I think that movie was... In a completely non-Strange Matter coffee sort of way. I, I think that was peak physical Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Like, he was fully mature physically. He was a grown man. Clearly, you haven't seen the, the new Batman thing, though, right? Dude, no, I haven't. I actually Dude, haven't. There's like a there's a literal montage of him doing CrossFit. Throwing Dude, tires around and stuff. That's the thing. He's I don't mean like... can be. I don't mean in terms of strength. I mean in terms of... And this is the thing that you and I have both experienced, probably. Being in that wheelhouse of time where it's like... You are at your most confident physically, but you're also at your most, like, comfortable with who you are. And, like, I think that time period was Ben Affleck in the town. Like, he just had great presence. The character was perfect for him. The character was very sort of gruff and hardened and ruined morally in some ways, but yet there was a soft... He's totally redeemable. There, he was redeemable. There you was a soft You could smell that from the first time you see him. You could smell that, like, I want to be redeemed kind of vibe yeah. coming off him, which is what made that movie brilliant. Dude, that, that movie was... I have that downstairs on Blu-ray, and I, I feel like that's a feel-good movie, even though it includes... It starts with a scene of a woman being violently kidnapped by guys in scary masks yeah. and pushed out into the, the ocean. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating movie. And uh, by the way, that's that's my favorite Jeremy Renner experience. I Dude, think. Renner in that... I mean, Renner's amazing to begin with. Yeah. But he embodies that Boston, like, dangerous... Yeah. Dude, the scene where he happens upon them on a date... Yeah. And and Affleck gets up and like hugs him in such a way so as to obscure the tattoo, the tattoo. she just described. That's right. That's right. And and you're just like, man, I I'd never seen Renner in anything yet. Yeah. And I thought to myself, did they get a local like an action like soft? Dude, because he, guy? he looked so dirtbag. Yeah. Is there another so role this guy can play? Dirt bag. And now when you think Jeremy Renner, you think clean cut, 
Yeah, suave, Very kind of debonair. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, how funny is that? Like that that guy is a, that guy's got range too. That movie yeah. was just a great cast. It was a great showcase. Do you for remember a lot who of was talent. in that? Donnie Draper was in that. Donnie Draper was in it. Who's the woman? She was good too. I I don't know. I felt like she reminded me of uh, Diane from uh, Say Anything, but it wasn't her. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah, same coloring though, same hair. Absolutely. Um, she was good too in that role. I don't. I mean, I, I don't know anything about her, but but yeah, that, that that was great. I think another one that's amazing with him. I don't think a lot of people like, but for mm. me, it's it's very Hitchcockian. Yeah. Was uh, edit out. I love it so much. I can't think of it. it it's yeah. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson and him, and it's uh, good grief. It's a traffic term. It's mm. all about uh, the changing lanes. Changing lanes. Changing lanes. Dude, I've, yeah. I've watched that three, four times. Okay. Did you like that one? I think I liked it. I think it had a little bit of like '90s faux depth to it, which I'm not opposed <laughs> to at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a fan of of fake depth, fake '90s depth. It was uh, really deep and really fake. It was really deep and really fake, but it was the movie about which people talked about in really earnestly deep terms. If it was the '90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. People thought they were watching a deep thing. Um, but it wasn't the 90s. It was definitely late 90s. It wasn't the 90s. 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that, but that one also, very, like, horrible character mm-hmm. that is then redeemed. Mm-hmm. I feel like that, and, and that sort of happens in Goodwill Hunting, although it's not Chucky's character. He's yeah. already a stand-up guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like that's where he should focus. I ben agree. Affleck. I agree. He shouldn't be Batman. No. Batman doesn't... I mean, granted, I've got a box full of 700 Batman comics in my basement right now. Yeah. I'm not anti-Batman. Yeah. Don't don't waste this guy on Batman. He's, Absolutely. He's a different deal. Here's, here's, the wheel, here's the other wheelhouse I see Ben Affleck in. He is perfectly believable as an ex-athlete. So in the town, he was an ex, if you recall. Hockey he was player, an ex-like yeah. promising hockey player right. who like, got drafted or whatever and you know, partied his way out of hockey and made a bunch of bad choices. Like, the physicality of Affleck makes him a perfect ex-athlete. In fact, here's what I want to see, man. So, TV executives, if you're listening, I will write the pilot for this. I would like to see a Cheers reboot with Ben Affleck as Sam Mayday Malone, former relief pitcher for the Boston (laughs) Red Sox. How perfect would that be, though? I don't know. He's a little, I feel like he's a little muscular to be a ball player. I mean, like I could see him. I could see him as a football player. I could Dude, see him. Dude, ball players right now are jacked, though. Are they really? Like, yeah, like current ball players. White, starting white like, ball players. Yeah, starting like the early two thousands. I guess Barry Bonds was. I mean, not not naturally, but well, in the early two thousands, they all got super steroidal. So, and that's kind of continued. So, yeah, I think ball players. See that that's just kind of sums up one more thing that makes me have no interest in in modern baseball. Yeah, I love I love the nostalgia of baseball. Yeah. I love the sound of a baseball game playing on a radio. Yeah. But there's no there's no real reason. Nolan Ryan was a skinny dude. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, he threw the ball like 104 miles. An Cecil hour. Fielder was a fat guy. You don't have to be jacked and 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 steroided up. Dude, he was a great fat guy, Cecil Fielder. Yeah, I missed that. I missed that. What are you looking up in your studio? I was, I was about to IMDb uh, Affleck. Uh, Affleck and see what we missed. And let me, let me I, we already got a like on my quote, by the way. Who liked it? Uh, oh, E.C. Farrell here. Uh, she's a huge fan of the Prog. Nice. I just shortened program to Prog. <laughs> you did. It didn't work. You did um, it in a very Paul Rudd in uh, I Love You Man <laughs> sort of way. I'm a mission. Latris <laughs> on the Menje. <laughs> the quote in question is, yes, that is that type of place. It's a bugs in the white dreadlocks type of place. 
<laughs> which is something you said in my car. It is something I said in your car. Um, IMDb, Ben Affleck, another masterpiece of his. Yeah. I don't know if he got um, nominated for an Academy Award for this or not, but it was called uh, Reindeer Games. Okay. <laughs> which we're going to be viewing together and which we're going to be providing uh, Gut Check special commentary to tonight. So a little preview into uh, the next episode that we're going to share. Zach, do you remember any movies that were turds, but that you thought Ben Affleck was good in? So the movie itself was a turd, but he was good in it. What uh, what comes to mind when I when I bring hmm. up that subgenre of Ben Affleck movie? Well, I feel like he's good in just about everything. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like his... Here, here's what I like about Affleck. His delivery isn't isn't so smooth that it feels rehearsed. Yeah. He feels like he's making this stuff up as he goes. Yeah. And and he he gravitates toward roles that have him flustered, really yeah. flustered. Yeah. And when he's in one of those roles, I mean even like Paycheck, which was yeah. awful. Yeah. I I cared about his character cuz sure. he he sold it. Dude, one turd that I went to the theater to see because of Ben Affleck was a, a gangster movie called Live By Night. Oh, yeah. I remember you wrote an article about that that savaged it. Yeah, it savaged it. The, the movie, it was a gangster film that took place in Tampa. Right. Who wants to watch a gangster film in Tampa? <laughs> it's actually at the Villages, though? Yeah, it's the Villages. Right. Retirement community. Affleck was the only good thing about it. Um, and he, he kind of redeemed the movie for me, but... What do you? What else are you seeing? Oh my gosh, our boy has sixty-seven acting credits. See, all this most recent stuff is his like DC comic stuff. I yeah, fine, whatever. I did not see the accountant where he played the assassin. I'd like to, dude. You know what Ben Affleck movie I loved, and if you haven't seen it, you have to. Is Argo, dude? Have I haven't seen, seen that yet. No, we should watch that this week while I'm here. Let's actually. do it. It's such a good movie. Is it as good as uh, the town? Uh yes, it's as good as the town, but in a completely different way. So Argo is a true story. Uh, about a guy whose job it was in like the late 70s, early 80s to like go into these hostage crisis situations overseas and like get hostages out. And Affleck was that guy. It's a true story. Um, John Goodman's in it. He's very funny. Alan Arkin, who I love, um, is also in it, also being very funny doing Alan Arkin things. Um, we should totally watch Argo. Dude, Alan Arkin, who absolutely made um, Gross Point Blank. Absolutely. I mean, he's, now there's a, there's he's a, hanging up and slamming down the yeah, phone yeah, yeah. at the end. There's an underrated movie. I love Gross Point Blank. Here's I, go ahead. I just showed that one to Tristan too. Yeah, yeah, dude, dude, that's a that's how exciting for you. Yeah, that you're oh, being able so to relive these things with your son. Yeah, and now he's walking around the house going Bing Bang Popcorn. <laughs> oh, dude, Ackroyd. Uh, dude, two more great Affleck movies, and then yeah. one abs two two more great ones and two absolute turds. Yeah, and then I've got a turd that I love from Affleck. Two hundred cigarettes was great. Didn't see it. Oh, dude. Talk about Paul Rudd, Courtney Love, yeah. Christina Ricci. It's a 1980s story that takes place uh, on New Year's Eve. Dude, maybe we should watch that. It's Amazing a- music. This could be an all-Affleck week. Boiler Room. Yeah, I, li- I like Boiler Room. Incredible. Yep, yep. And I'll tell you who's awesome in that. Giovanni Ribisi. Giovanni Stinkin' Ribisi. Why is that guy relegated to TV now? Why hasn't that guy had more of a career? I don't know. He's got a, such an interesting face. He's got great... He really does. Uh, his, the show he's doing on Amazon is good. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Sneaky Pete. Uh-huh. But he deserves better. Two turds. Pearl Harbor. Oh, Pearl Harbor was so bad. 
That was like one of the worst things I've seen in my life. Saw it in the theater. All nine and a half hours of it. <laughs> I saw it, it was so bad. I actually liked it when I saw it in the theater. It was new. Yeah, it was It was very visual. I was excited about it. Yeah. And then like I heard that it was bad uh-huh. and I defended it. Uh-huh. And then like not a year later, I rented it from Blockbuster and was like, oh, this is a really awful movie. So let's talk about that phenomenon for a minute. And then I want to get back to our filmography work. But um, so... It's impossible to think about Affleck's career not in the context of Matt Damon because they came up together. Uh, they were school good ties together. together. They're they school, did school tied ties together. together. Yeah, exactly. Their careers um, are school tied. They went together. to the they went to the same Tony Northeastern waspy, you know, boarding school. These the guys 50s. are as waspy as they get yeah. in real life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm from Boston. No, you're from Boston. So how come? When people think of Matt Damon, they think of, oh, this wonderful actor who's had this amazing career. But when they think of Affleck, he's, a he's like a punchline. Yeah. He's I don't super. Get it. I don't know either because I would suggest he's more accomplished than Damon. Yeah. He's, he's directed, he directed Gone Girl, didn't he? Yeah. Dude, he, the guy's done amazing things. He directed he the town. Uh, he co wrote. So how come he doesn't get as much credit for Goodwill Hunting yeah, I don't know. as Matt Damon? He should. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I feel like because he seems kind of dumb when he does an interview, yeah. and because Damon seems super smart. Yeah, that could be. He seems he doesn't have as dumb of a face. You know what I appreciate about Affleck? He didn't do an overtly political movie when everybody was doing overtly political yeah, movies. Damon sure did like three in a row. Dude, remember that Damon the turd about one? fracking? Oh my god! When Krasinski was wasted in that thing too. Dude, that was so bad it was funny. But dude, and remember like. Mid Born Identity uh, franchise, mm-hmm. when Paul Greengrass and Damon went in and did this thing called the Green Zone and mm-hmm. made it look like, hey, look, it's basically another Born movie. Yeah, yeah. And there was like no action, and it was all like, this is an Iraq War bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't. What you tricked me. So, and then he did that. He did that crappy rugby movie about apartheid. Yes, yes. You remember that, dude? It was the awful. only movie in which Morgan Freeman gives a bad performance. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> dude. dude. Well, yeah, I, honestly, I feel like, I feel like he he's kind of siphoned away. I wonder if deep down Affleck resents him. I would. Yeah. Like we're the same guy, basically. Only I've done things a little bit better, and you get all the cred. Baby, you know what? I hope that never happens to us. In that we're kind of the Matt Damon and Ben Affleck of the podcast. Which one am I at this point? Um, the Ben Affleck, of course, because we're. We're saying all good things now, and I want to genuflect in <laughs> no. your direction. But if Affleck and, and uh, Matt Damon were Knox Overstreet and Chet Danbury, who would be who? I, I think Damon would be Knox Overstreet yeah, because I, I disliked Knox, Knox Overstreet. I respected Chet Dan. Chet Danbury did nothing wrong. Right, right. He did nothing wrong throughout the whole movie. He beat down a guy who like uh, assaulted, sexually assaulted his girlfriend. Yeah. Absolutely, he's the hero of that picture. He's the hero of the picture. And I feel like because uh, Affleck's a bit more imposing physically and more yeah. of a, a bruiser. Yeah. He he would uh, he would definitely be the Chet Danbury. He'd, he'd be, be a great Chet. When, when I, he'd go all conference. Yeah, when I write the uh, when I write the movie entitled All Conference Colon the Chet Danbury story, <laughs> I'm casting Ben Affleck. Even though he's like forty five now, I'm casting him as high school Chet Danbury. <laughs> well they'll use CGI. They'll like, CGI the ring. Make his out. ears and uh, nose smaller and Absolutely. Dude that script, along with all the other funny little spec scripts we write, mm-hmm. should go in the uh, gut check smoking reader. Dude, absolutely. So a little a little uh, moment for business here, Zach. So we uh, one of the things we do when we get together like this for live episodes 
um, is we do a lot of business brainstorming and we have some exciting things coming down the pike. We have some exciting things that are, that are already done and available right now. So one of those things um, is a coffee partnership with Ligaris Roasters. It's called so Church Curmudgeon Coffee. I, I, have a, I have a good friend in the... <laughs> I don't even know what... I don't know what to say about that. It would be more disrespectful than... I don't know. Don't just say it really quiet and the Church yeah, Curmudgeon won't be able to hear you. Yeah, yeah, he won't be able to hear me. But um, I have a friend in the coffee business named Hector Ligaris. He is very exotic. He is foreign, Zach. Um, Hector Ligaris walks through the groves. He expects... He inspects each coffee bean individually. That's the kind of love and care. And he expects each coffee bean to be (laughs) top-notch. To be top-notch. That's right. So we are involved in a project with Hector Lagares in which he is roasting espresso for us. Uh, It's so good. He has the Gut Check Signature Blend Espresso. It's all I drink. Uh, He brings bags of this stuff to church for me. I drink it every morning, and it's wonderful. So if you haven't done so... Avail yourself to a bag of Gut Check Espresso. Go to LagarsRoasters.com. Half the profits go to uh, Gut Check Pride. That's right. Gut Check Pride Month, uh, which we are celebrating currently. Literacy Month. Gut Pro- Check Literacy, Literacy Pride Month. Literacy Pride Month. Yeah, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be dropping a couple of new chapters on you at the end of the show. So uh, there's that, Zach. Um, another thing that we're working on this week that I'm super excited about is a follow up. To our wildly successful Christian gentleman smoking companion. I like how even though Hans, Booby, this, this is radio, radio not television. television. You you picked up the hardcover off of the the Dude, coffee I, table. Do you want to know why I picked it up? Why is that? You like feeling it? Because it's so handsome. It is. It's, it's a beautiful. handsome. It feels good. the heft of it, the girth of it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It it just feels good. You know what I mean? It, it feels good to hold it. Yeah. yeah and exactly. um, it's called the Christian gentleman smoking companion. It has Charles Spurgeon. Uh, looking regal on the cover, enjoying a cigar. This has been a wildly successful project for us. We've sold thousands and thousands of copies, and I'm happy to report, Zach, that we are hard at work on a sequel. And the sequel is going to be a gut check cigar room reader. So this is a book that uh, it's going to live in your cigar room. Um, It's going to be filled with essays. It's going to be filled with kind of um, scripts, uh, script pages, uh, these, these cigar related and non cigar related, cigar items. and cigar, non cigar related items. And I am super excited. I'm more excited about this than any other project that we've worked on in recent memory. And you may notice that, uh, since the, the last time we spoke about a new project, which was when I was at, in your smoke room, that's right, the Arnold Cluck Memorial Smoke that's Room, right. uh, we have stopped talking about a project called the Gut Check Guide to Everything, right? Because that's never going to happen. Rather, this is going to be like that plus so much more. That's right. We're going to take the best of the Gut Check Guide to Everything. Uh, We're going to roll it into the sequel to The Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion. And this is going to be a book that you're going to want to get uh, for the cigar smoker in your life at Christmas time. Because it's the ultimate holiday book, Zach. Um, Another another thing. Uh, This is in the very early stages, but uh, I am learning my way around the garment industry now because I am a shoe tycoon. Um, by that I mean I have a uh, I, I have a company that allegedly makes shoes, but we have not made shoe one yet. Is this, it's called um, Foot Finish LLC, right? <laughs> yeah, it's through Cerismo. So <laughs> you can just get 15 seconds of the the document. But um, no, we uh, I I had a a listener, a fan, weigh in with a great idea, and the idea was he said to me, he goes, "I want a red velvet smoking jacket." With the Gut Check logo on the back. Oh, that would be money. And he said, I want to be able to get that for people for Christmas. Um, And I said, done. I'm on it. (laughs) 
uh, because I would love that as well. So you can look for the sequel to The Christian Gentleman Smoking Companion, uh, The Red Velvet Smoking Jacket. These things will all be coming your way. And, of course, the uh, re-raptured omnibus. The re-raptured omnibus, which we're really, really excited about. full epic. Still working our way through that sequel. Um, and we're going to lay a new chapter on you later in the uh, in the program. Um, now, Ted, can I jump in with my last bad movie? Please do, because I've got another bad one that I loved. You first. One that I didn't love. Okay. Because it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like the ball and chain around much of Ben Affleck's career has been one Kevin Smith. Yeah. Whether we're talking um, G. Lee or yeah. freaking uh, J. M. Silent Bob Strike Back. Or yeah, terrible. Clerks 2 or terrible. whatever. Um, was called Daredevil. Mm. Which, did you see that one? I didn't, but I heard it was awful. Like, it was... Famously awful. Dude, literally, he, you watch him... Alright, first of all, he's not the kind of nuanced actor that can play blind. That's yeah. hard to do. No, it is hard to do. And he's he's a, he's a different kind of... He's a movie star actor. Mm-hmm. He's not like a character actor. Dude, he's a movie... You should be a movie star in all of his movies. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. gotta be the big... So, so that was he was miscast to begin with, but yeah. you see him cringe yeah. when he says half these lines. Yep. Like... That that light you see coming down the tunnel, that's not heaven, that's the A train or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see like the the shot hangs on him just just long enough for you to see him kinda like did I did I, a, an Academy Award winning screenwriter, just say that? Exactly. And, and it was just the worst. Jennifer Garner. Sure. Also famous killer of great careers. Like yeah. I mean, is there anything is there anything that can hold back, say, a Jason Bateman more firmly than a Jennifer Garner presence? Right. No. Right. No. She, she, so, so she sucks the charisma out of the, out of the performance. Mm-hmm. She's in there as Electra, a ninja. Uh-huh. And, dude, it's as bad as it sounds. It was mm-hmm. awful. And, and then, of course, you might be tempted to say, well, it's the subject matter. Who could make it? Well, Netflix uh, Daredevil show was stinking mind-blowingly awesome, so yeah. obviously it can be done. Yeah. So what was your other turd? Dude, so my turd, this movie is manifestly a turd in every way. <laughs> However, it's, I love it. Actually, that's what it said on the front of the DVD. Manifestly <laughs> right. a turd in every way. LA Roger, Times. Yeah, LA Times. Roger Ebert. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, this movie is such a turd. With the little olive branches around it. It's, yeah, that's right. Voted, voted number one turd, you know, Sundance Film Festival. No, this movie is Armageddon. And oh, I love that movie, though. Dude, it's such a fun turd. That's it doesn't a, make a, any sense, but I love it. Dude, it's a great cable movie. It's the kind of movie that if you're, like, flipping channels at your, your parents' house and you run across, like, you know, TBS and you catch any amount of time of that movie, you can just hop right into it. But uh, Affleck is being a movie star in that movie. And, and, and a great and ensemble like cast. And a great ensemble cast. Bruce Willis is in that. Uh, Steve Buscemi is in it. Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. I mean, everybody who's in that is... Pi- and and, and uh, a young lady from a music video that we referenced <laughs> earlier today. Dude, hold on. But who's... Um, somebody is the, the... A famous guy is the astronaut too, right? And then you got the cosmonaut guy from yeah. Fargo and everything. Dude, that thing is... Dude, a, isn't Will, Pat- a 90s isn't treasure. Will Patton in it too? Will Patton's in Will it, Patton. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Billy Bob Thornton's in it. Billy Bob... Dude, that I love a, that dude. That thing's incredible. That guy's the 90s... Like, that, that kind of 90s movie. I could actually watch that. I could watch that this week. You know what's funny? I, I first watched that um, with my wife on, on like, New Year's Eve, like, mm-hmm. late at night. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the end mm-hmm. where, where uh, Bruce Willis... Spoiler alert, everyone. If you haven't yeah. seen Armageddon and, and we don't want to know how it ends, turn yeah. off now. Um, <laughs> he, like, throws himself in like he's going to sacrifice yeah. himself. 
throws uh, into the like elevator that goes. Yeah, 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 dude, I, I know exactly the scene you're talking about. It's an elevator it. that goes down into an asteroid because that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and uh, and I start laughing because it's so stupid. Yeah, I look over at my wife, and she's got a single tear rolling down her cheek. Dude, no, no lie. I, okay, so <laughs> I saw that movie. We were living in Lithuania at the time, and on the Lithuanian movie posters, it was in it was in like hackneyed Lithuanian English, and, okay. and the word was Armageddonus. Armageddonus. So we we took a little like tram down into the city and we saw Armageddonus <laughs> and I cried in that scene too. You did. I did, dude. I'm a movie crier. You know this. And when when Bruce Willis gets into the little elevator thing, Christ figure, you know. By the way, because this is gut check smackademic, and we have to yeah, you know, talk you about such things. But uh, yeah, I, I was I was tearing up a little. I bit was too. thinking more like the elevator was more of a womb, actually. Yeah. If I was gonna, you know, do a little. If we were gonna lit, go lit, lit crit, crit on it, yeah, let's go full lit crit. You know, it was a womb, he was a Christ figure, it's complicated. But, uh, yeah, great, great turd that I would watch anytime. Dude, my, my favorite line in that is, uh, two, two favorite lines. And both of them are legit good lines. Like, yeah. like, 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 they had the crappy idea and then handed it over to a brilliant screenwriter, I yeah, feel yeah. like. Um, the one, one where Owen Wilson goes, um, I just can't stand it when people think that Jethro Tull is just some guy in a band. Yeah. And then the guy interviewing him goes, who's Jethro Tull? And yeah. he just looks up like he's gonna murder him. Uh-huh. And then my my other favorite is uh, uh, when they crash land. Buscemi goes, uh, "Well, Captain America here uh, landed us four miles away from you know our, our target yeah. destination." And he goes, "How do you know that?" And Buscemi goes, "Cause I'm a genius." Nah, that guy sells every. That guy's another '90s actor. Dude, who, Buscemi's like, great. Buscemi's amazing. Yeah, dude, you get. I feel like we should someday. Make like the dream team '90s like cast the dream of a 90s blockbuster cast. movie. Absolutely, we should. You know what we ought to do? It's a real idea. We should cast once we get done with the Rapture sequel. We should use '90s actors to cast oh, every character dude. in our Rapture book. And what's more, that casting list will be included mm? in the Christian Gentleman's Smoking Room Companion. I like that volume two, the reader. Uh, so you'll get to you'll get to. Have a little peek behind the curtain inside Hollywood. The machinations of Hollywood. How these movies get cast. Essentially, uh, we're talking about... We will a do the work for you. Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion. Companion. Companion, yes. <laughs> it's like the third wheel. It's the friend of a friend in the Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion. Um, yeah. What? <laughs> should, should we wrap this baby? Mm-hmm. Should we have more shorter ones? So we have yep. like a bunch of them to. to let's have more go. shorter ones. Do we want to do a chapter? Or do we want to just wrap this let's, one? And let's then... do a. Let's, let's wrap this and then let's do like a. Uh, a chapter. Rachel held in a chapter. Yeah, absolutely. Before we wrap this, though, baby, do you know what I'm doing right now? What's that? This is a thing that I was talking about before, and I don't know if we can put this on the air, but um, I had mentioned in the course of casual conversation, just two guys talking, how. I think it's really hot when, like, girls sit sideways in a chair. Yeah, I noticed that you were sitting kind of sideways. I'm sitting sideways, sideways in, the in the chair with my leg, like, draped over the arm. Very of the coquettishly. Chair. Very coquettish. I don't want you to infer anything or read anything into my posture. I've right noticed now, that your, your bare foot is pointed at me. It is. Is that a, is that a sign? Um, it's a sign that, that of radio partners. Yeah. I read that and I took a Cosmo quiz and it said that I would be a. I would be a radio show tycoon one day, and here I am. You know? how, how can how to tell by body language if you're a radio tycoon? How to tell if you're a radio tycoon and slash velvet tycoon slash shoe tycoon slash coffee coffee uh, tycoon as well. Mogul yeah. 
slash. Is a maven the same thing as a mogul? What's a maven? I like maven. I want to be a maven, too. Uh, you want to be a tycoon, a maven, and a mogul? A publishing maven, tycoon, yeah, uh, a coffee mogul. It's different. Gradations. Variations on the same theme. Uh, baby, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be in the Nakatomi smoking room here in Gut Check North. And uh, we will see you next time.